Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my left is Roy. Hello, everybody. How's it going, Roy? Oh, man, it's another good week in Padres baseball. It's another good week in Padres baseball, but it's also the first time we're recording since the beginning of the minor league season, so we actually have some actual games to talk about. We do, we do. And it's it's a, it's a, they're good stories up and down there, the, the minor leagues right now. There's a ton of great stories. There's a ton of hot starts. There's a ton of, um, there's a ton of content to go over. We have a, we have a, a action pack. Action-packed episode today. Action-packed. We don't have fancy sound effects for the action, though. No. Something crazy like that. Donovan's here for the sound effects. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but uh, let's... um, So this is episode 39. Uh, Batting leadoff, and and it happened again. You know, uh, Pedro Avila called up from double A to join the big league club for a spot start. And that's huge. That... It's just... It's huge. Because he was he was the only he wasn't the only guy but he's the only guy kind of in double A and triple A that was doing well. Well, yeah, when he was added to the forty man in what December November whenever that yeah. happened, um, it was one of those where yeah they'll protect him maybe he'll spend the year in like Elsinore Amarillo and then they'll call him up in September. No, second week of the season, here's your chance. Hey, Come on up. What are you doing? What are you doing? Want to go pitch in the big leagues? Yeah. Um, you know and I, you know what I didn't read I didn't read any cool way that. Um, Eddie Rodriguez. No, Tony, well, sorry, Philip Wellman. Dang. Yeah, yeah Philip Wellman, yeah. Philip Wellman, double A. Uh, didn't have any cool stories. Maybe they'll come out later on, on cool uh, stories on how he told them, like, hey, you're going to the show. Yeah. Um, but once again, not a top prospect. Uh, no one from AAA, obviously on the 40-man. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we put him on the 40-man, it was just to protect him. Um, but you wouldn't think that he was going to come up and, and pitch to the second week of the season. No. Let alone pretty much dominate a pretty damn good lineup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did a great job. It, he got shaky at the get-go. Yeah. He allowed some runners. Yeah. Get him, got him off. You know, got <laughs> got through the inning. And then uh, and then after that, he settled in. So it's what you want to see from a veteran guy. Um, I mean, I say veteran. He's 22 years old, but it feels like he's been around for a long time. He's been around since, uh, you know, Derek Norris left. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we couldn't have gotten rid of Derek Norris and, at a better time. And we couldn't have gotten rid of Derek <laughs> Norris quick enough. Yeah. For it, it almost seemed like, and, in, in, you know, you see these trades all the time. Like, okay, Pedro, right. You, you take a look at the player. And you're like, okay, we're just trying to get rid of the guy because yeah. he's kind of a douche. I thought they were going to waive him or non-tender him or whatever. Right. But just to trade him for like, uh, like okay, Pedro Avila, great. We saw up in Lake Elsinore uh, last year. He he got a, we were at the, I think, 12, he had a 15 strikeout game. Yeah, he had a 17 strikeout game That's in it. Fort Wayne. That's it. Last year, I think his high was 12, it was 10 or 12 in, in one game. It but he had like, like five games where he had over like double-digit strikeouts. Yeah. That's where the Pedro if, Avila... When Pedro Avila is Pedro Avila, Pedro, Pedro Avila is Pedro Avila, you know, and that's just because when he's on, he's on. He has the mid nineties fastball. He has a great changeup um, and a solid curveball that you know he can pitch all those three pitches that are plus pitches. Well, he kind of pitches backwards because he leads with the breaking stuff. It's changeup, slider, curveball, and then he uses the fastball as an out pitch. If you look at these percentages of how he's used his pitches, uh, he's did. like he's breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, and then. Once you've got your eye slowed down and you're used to some motion, then he'll get that four-seamer up in the zone and kind of freeze you because you're not, okay, I'm used to seeing 85, 82. Oh, wait, here's 93 up and in. Yeah, because he, he, location and command isn't his thing. It's just, it's it's the stuff. Right, right. 
So when he's good, he can rack up strikeouts. He can baffle guys. When he's bad, the breaking stuff kind of hangs a little bit. It stays up in the zone. And we saw that in Lake Elsinore where I, I think I saw two of his starts last year and he would start solid. First two, three innings, he'd look really good. And then fourth or fifth inning, he'd all of a sudden become shaky and have a hard time finding the zone. Right. So that's stamina, you know, repeatability, all that kind of stuff. And just development with those guys. Um, but that's 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 that was fantastic. Yeah, and, they, and it sounds like this is what they're going to kind of do for a while is just ride these guys, the the core that they have now. There's going to be a lot of shuffling up and down from yeah. the minors. Um, you know, give somebody a chance, see if they can get through the rotation a couple times, and then send them down for rest and bring somebody else back up. Like Robbie Erling got options, not because he's been pitching badly, but just because we need a fresh arm. Yeah, yeah. Same thing, Will Robert Stock, and, and then uh, Gerardo Reyes, you know, came up. Mm-hmm. Gerardo Reyes came up. His first outing or two was pretty good. His, his first outing was really good. His second one was not so good, and then uh, go take a rest. Exactly. <laughs> um, but moving on, so first week of the season, uh, Buddy Reed and Mackenzie Gore were named the MLB Pipeline team uh, on the team of the week. Yeah. Now, I take that about MLB Pipeline. Every week, you see the tweet, like, here's the guys, here's the team of the week. Um, I always look at that because they show little faces. Yeah, <laughs> and where they're supposed to be on the diamond. Yep. Uh, after starting the season one and seventeen, Reed hit three fifty seven, four twenty four, and a thousand uh, over his uh, slash line uh, in his next seven games for the week. Eleven games, two forty four, three twenty seven, six forty four, ten runs, six HRs. You know, for a while there, real quick, it was going to be. Uh, Brad Zunica was the was the mayor of Hodgetown. Yeah, and then Buddy Reed went on like a five home run. He hit five home runs in five days, two in one game. One was inside the park. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress. So he had six HR, fourteen RBIs, five base on balls, um, one intentional base on balls, but sixteen Ks. And that's kind of where the development comes in with Buddy is his swing and miss stuff. So he had sixteen Ks, but he just had a, a he had a fantastic week. Now most of those games were at home. So yeah. that's one of the things. Oh, I uh, we're getting breaking news breaking from news. bullpen, babe. It says Cilio out at ninety-seven point three. There's a tweet here from Padres no hitter. So I am curious to read more about Not this Padres once we get no off hitter. the air. Oh, Jeff Dotseth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, if you're gonna be real quick on that, real quick on that, and I don't want to go deep to in this because it's just not worth worthy of news. You saw the tweet the other day. If idiot Bob Brenly and he tagged the Padres, and he tagged the Diamondbacks, and even as a well, as a professional, in, wait, you're saying Cilio did this? Yes. Oh, I didn't. I haven't blocked. So after I didn't all see the, that. <laughs> after, right, after all the after all the Bob Brenly stuff, talking about Tatis and the bike chain, and you know the Bush League stuff that you know we've got already got shirts made. Thank uh-huh. God. You know the more Padres people, the more they bust on the Padres, the more swag we get because we get this cool stuff to to make. Um, you know he'd put like. Idiot Bob Brenly. Bob Brenly doesn't have a, a, a Twitter. Uh, and he tagged the Diamondbacks and he tagged the Padres. Uh, and it was just a gnarly, it was kind of a gnarly tweet. Yeah. And even as a broadcaster, even as, you know, as bombastic as that guy is, um, it was it was stupid. It is. For someone who's supposed to be the flagship. Because not only, if, if you're not the flagship of, you know, if you're another radio station in San Diego and you say that, fine. You're not the flagship of the Padres. But you are supposed to represent the Padres. Absolutely. Um, and as it's as, your customer, right? Is it's your, your sponsor, right? Well, it's your boss. Kind yeah. Of, in, in a way. Um, it just, and it he was getting ready. They really just bad. do the, do the announcement where 
on Friday mornings, they're going to have some representative from the Padres every week is going to come and be on the show on 97.3. And it was yeah. going to be with Dan Cilio. And I saw on, on Twitter, the response was unanimously negative. Yeah. I had every single one on there yeah. was like, I will not listen to this. I'm not going to do anything with your show. You guys need to get rid of this guy. There wasn't a single person on there going, oh, hey, that's a cool idea. I'm going to listen. Right. Nobody said right. that. And granted, there was a lot of us on Padres Twitter, but you know, kudos to the women of Padres Twitter to come up with like, we're not... Hey, we don't listen to it anyway, but now we're not. We're still not going to listen to it. So you're going to have a very empty audience. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, he's out, done. Thank God. We'll see what happens with 1090 going down the road. We'll see what happens with uh, 97.3, the fan. I think John Cantera took over, the coach took over. Yeah. I saw you tweet that. Yeah, he was on the radio this morning. Yeah. But I figured that was just, you know, somebody gets a day off every once in a while. Maybe he called it sick. Maybe, you know, things happen. So you got a fill-in guy. I didn't think anything of it. But anyway, God, back to the real good stuff. We were talking about Buddy Reed. Yeah, we're talking about Buddy Reed. We're also talking about the uh, MLB Pipeline uh, Player Team of the Week. So that's Buddy Reed. Gore uh, was also named on that team. He was 2 0 with a 0.00 ERA (laughs) in two games. He had 10 innings, uh, 10 innings pitched, six hits, zero run, two base on balls, 15 Ks for a .80 whip. Um, We saw his second start in person. It was, he was filthy. Yet it took him a lot of pitches. Like he had seven Ks in five innings, uh-huh. um, but it took him like almost ninety pitches to get there. Yeah, his his command, his control wasn't there. Yeah, but he had the stuff. <clears throat> I mean, the fast. I wasn't sitting where I could see a radar gun, but I'm sure the fastball was sitting up there, ninety five, ninety six. AJ uh, HJ uh, HJ Preller talked to Aaron, asked the guys that were charting the pitches, which were um, Aaron Leisher. Aaron, no, Aaron Thompson. Mason Thompson. Mason, sorry, Mason by Aaron Thompson. We got Aaron on my uh, Aaron on my mind. Said he was sitting 94, 92, 94, okay. and 90 hit 96. Okay. So still kind of a cold time of the year. Yeah, second start of the um, year. It wasn't a warm night. Just, he was just throwing BBs, you know? Yeah. Just and the BBs. breaking stuff was filthy. Yeah. And the changeup looked good. The, the slider, curveball, everything from where we were sitting in the stands, you know, I'm not a scout. But you could see the delivery, the 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 commitment, that it was all right there. Yeah. It's just he wasn't quite hitting his spots, but it was enough to dominate those guys at that level. And I think we're just going to continue seeing that until he gets a promotion. So it's going to be like Chris Paddock last year where get up there when you can because he's not going to be there for long. No, he won't be. And the only thing he really does need to work on is that consistency in throwing strikes and not you know being more efficient. Mm-hmm. In, in his start so we can go deeper in ball games. Well, you think about it, he hasn't been able to do that since high school. No. Because his first year he was limited, and then last year with the injuries, the blister stuff, whatever, he kept getting held back, and even when he was pitching, he wasn't able to – he didn't have it all. Right. He didn't have his stuff, so he wasn't there. And he couldn't get into a rhythm. Yeah. So then let's talk real quick about the Dennis Lynn article with him in it, and that came out in The Athletic this yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same kind of honesty that we experienced when we interviewed him in Peoria. Yeah. I wasn't good. I wasn't good last year, and that's not okay. And it was a very humbling experience. It, he's, he's a very, uh, I mean, as you heard on the interview with us, he's a very um, very reasonable person to talk to. What's the word I'm looking for? He's an easy guy to talk to. He's easy. But you can tell that there's, there's intellect, there's thought going on behind yeah. there. His, his responses are very measured. Yeah. He's and he's not as intense as he sounds, but it, you know everything that came out of the article is he's intense about being good. He's mm-hmm. focused. He's committed. He's you know they talked about him having that Chris Paddock kind of concentration and drive. Like he's a complete 
competitor. Well, and he said that he used Chris as a bit of a motivator. Yeah. That yeah. After all the stuff that he went through to come back where he's at right now, that's where that's where I want to be. And so if he could get there, I can definitely be there. Dude, did I, did I, in that article, didn't he say they went and golfed? Did it? I, I think he said he went and golfed with. They went and golfed. Okay. There was something in there about the athleticism, about how his vertical up on the basketball court and how he can easily hit the golf ball 300 yards and all this. I don't, I believe it. you walk up to the guy and he's this tall and his shoulders are this wide and he's got arms yeah. like Slender Man. I mean, <laughs> he's like Slender Man. I mean, he's built to be an athlete. You know, and I'm so sorry. There was so much content this week that I, I didn't get that on there. Maybe we'll go deeper in another part of the, uh, another next week or so. Um, but moving on. Now, I don't want to skip too far, though, because you did mention um, um, Brad Zunica. Yeah. And Brad Zunica is off to a scorching start, too. Yeah. And that's another wonderful. See, he's the guy that he's tall. He looks like a ball player. You see him in batting practice and the power's there and it just hasn't shown up in games. Yeah. Now, so far, the first couple weeks of the season, he's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. He's drawing walks. It looks like he's turning a corner this year. So keep an eye on Brad Zunica. I think it's more legit than what Buddy Reed has done, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And and that's been the thing on Zunica. It's like he hits the bomb, but he's not he's striking out a lot. He's not getting on base. He's not driving the ball for you know for hits. Um but yeah, both both those guys come and busting out like that. It's fantastic. Now the caveat is that they were playing a lot of games at home and they're at elevation. There's a lot of wind up there. It's definitely a hitter's environment. So we'll see what happens when they go on the road because Buddy Reed's home. It dried up for Buddy once they hit the road. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, we're well, moving on. So Tersa Ornelas and Luis Camposano were named on Baseball's America Hot Sheet, Baseball America's Hot Sheet. Um, Tersa Ornelas, the scoop, uh, here's why he's here. 326, 423, uh, 535. He's 14 for 43, 11 runs, two doubles, three triples, an HR, Seven RBIs, eight base on balls, which I like to see, with twelve strikeouts, one for one in stolen bases. I don't see Tirso Ornelas as a base dealer, but right if, now he's athletic, he's fast. We, he's, hell yeah! It's as you've know by the time he's in his late twenties, he's going to yeah. slow down because he's he's a big guy. He's built to put on power. You know, and another thing, he was another guy that was a Blake Elsinore, and you're like, God, it's it's a body, it's a tool set. It's everything there you can dream on that guy. Well, I saw him last year in spring training, and you see him. He's, yeah, he's tall. He's skinny. He's, you know, you see the frame, and then you see him a year later, and holy cow. Put on the muscle, starting to grow yeah. into his body. Yeah, and it looks, I mean, it's it's balanced. It's not like this guy just, you know, went and got jacked. No, he, yeah. he looks like he grew up this last year. He did, and he was, uh, you know, for spring training, we saw him, you know, back in the, back in the, uh, in the clubhouse area and he had you know just a regular shirt on and he's cut yeah he's chiseled um but the scoop on ornelas was a part of the padres pool busting six 2016 17 signing class when they spent roughly a gazillion dollars on international free agent he's an advanced hitting approach for his age controlling the strike zone well with good back control from the left side if he keeps raking he could finish the season as a teenager in double a so I saw there was another article that Baseball America put out where they were talking about the 10 youngest players in each league, and they went through all the minor league teams. And in the California League, the Padres have seven of the 10 youngest players yeah. in the league. I think all four of the youngest players are all Padres players. It's it's So he's 19, and he's yeah. not going to turn 20, I think, until after this season. Yeah, he, he was 16 when we signed him. Yeah, so what they say there, and it's, it's like what... Um, Hudson Potts did last year. Yeah. I could see him doing the same kind of thing, just 
making it look easy in the California League. And okay, well, let's bump you up and give you a real test. Yeah, and then Double A is where the real test begins. Uh, but Luis Camposano was also on there. Uh, here's why he's here: four seventy four. When we saw him in Lake Elsinore, he was hitting five thirty five. Yeah, was just just crushing the ball. Uh, four, but for Baseball America, four seventy four, five thirty three, six eighty four. He was eighteen for thirty eight, nine runs, five doubles, one HR, eight RBI, six base on balls with only eight strikeouts and thirty eight at bats. That's that's not too bad. Um, Camposano <laughs> was made bad. a better impression on scouts for his defense than his offense with soft hands and a plus arm behind the plate. So the fast start a bit in high class A uh, is a welcome sign for Camposano, who's done better a job early on getting the ball in the air to tap into his strength. You know, and he was injured last year, so there wasn't a lot of Luis Camposano going around last year. Yeah, yeah. He what It was a con- concussion symptoms that yeah. kind yeah. of slowed him down the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, but so there's already four players that are on, you know, on top of list there. But then you look at the California League stats, and the Lake Elsinore leads the league in pretty much every offensive stat right now. They've got the best record in the league, and they're the youngest team in the league. I was looking at it. I think their their average age is like three years younger than the league average right now. And it's crazy how young and talented that team is. <laughs> how many host families it cost, you know, to have all those guys in there. Um, but moving on. But moving on. So... The Tin Caps have the, now that the season started. The Tin Caps have a little, um, a little interview every, almost every day, um, and then they they post it on for like a little. It's a it's the pregame show, but they post it as a little podcast, um, and it goes on as an interview. Uh, they've been doing players, and they uh, they had Mike Nutter on there, who's the who's the president and GM of. The Tin Caps. You so them? they have an RSS feed for their, they put it out like a podcast. Yeah, it's cool. And so they call it Inside the Park with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. So if you have a podcast thingy, Leisure Fryer out there. Yeah. Um, so look for Inside the Park with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And they're all like 10 minute long, yeah. five, 10 minute long interviews, but it's players and coaches and it's always an interesting interview. Yeah. And that's a great thing. It's real short too. Um, but they were talking about those. So they were talking about Mike Mutter. Uh, Mike, no, Mike, no. <laughs> slow down, kid. Um, about Burt Hooten, who had surgery. Okay, so here's what happened to Burt Hooten. He had surgery in the offseason. He went to spring training, but his, his the wound got infected. And uh, you don't want to screw around with infections and surgery. So they sent him back home they just sent him home at go home get healthy we'll figure everything else out and it wasn't even like a maybe you'll join us at some point in the season he's out for the year i understand yeah it's better to just get that uh taken care of uh and on a personal note you know someone at work's sister got sepsis from some infection and she's probably not gonna make it i just heard that today so i mean with any infections you do not want to fool around with yeah it's a life-threatening situation Um, at his age um, and what he has to do, I mean, he's, he's on a baseball field. There's dirt, there's socks, there's sweat, there's goo, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, so they had Matt Williams come and help out. Um, Not former giant Matt Williams. No. Or didn't, didn't he partially own part of the Diamondbacks for a while? Uh, maybe. Um, and then also in one of those interviews, um, AC Anthony Contreras, manager of the Tin Caps, is his fourth year as Tin Caps manager. And he's the only Tin Caps player that's actually been a manager. So at one time he was a player for the Tim in the Padres organization and then became the manager. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So I believe Matt Williams was the pitching coach at UNC UNCW uh North Carolina Wilmington. 
Yeah. And he was helping us out with uh, international scouting. Yeah. So he's an experienced pitching coach. Yeah. He just doesn't have experience as a you know work as a professional level. Yeah. He's you know college level. I don't mean to knock college coaches by any means. Some of them are fantastic. So and as we've seen from the Preller organization, they find guys. They find really good guys to fill roles. And I would imagine that they have a whole like depth chart of backups. You know, maybe he was slotted to spend the summer in the north in the northwest league right, and right. instead they pulled him down to fort wayne instead right and they got a bunch of those guys in extended back at the complex um but here's something also i, I found out listening to one of the you know, watching a lot of games is amarillo you talked about having it being in altitude yes uh, they have a humidor for the balls yeah which i thought was cool which when I when I heard that I'm like okay I gotta write that down I wrote well, it down real quick you got to do something to normalize it and yeah. you can't you can't make the field enormous because right. then that's putting pressure on the outfielders because yeah. they got to go get the ball because yeah. that's the other part of it is that you, you you yeah the ball carries more but if you move the fences back then you're gonna have more doubles and triples because the gaps are that much bigger the guys yeah. are have to play that much deeper the Coors Field is huge it's a gigantic ball field yeah and it still flies out of there um. So Kyle Glazer from Baseball America wrote an article uh, on the Padres' path to the number one farm system. And I just kind of want to glaze over this just a little bit, but it really goes, uh, you know, it really goes into, um, you know, the pitchers Adrian Morajone, Luis Patino, and Andres Munoz have added 35 pounds or more since signing as teenagers. With the added strength came five to ten, you know, miles per hour and velocity. Um, Fernando Tatis, Tercero Ornelas, and Hudson Potts joined the Padres as big-bodied teenagers whose scouts worried would slow down as they got older. Instead, three have gotten quicker while continuing to add strength. So it really goes to Preller and adding those people in the development system that develop these guys. And, and the article goes in deep on and Sam Guinea going like, yeah, we got pop guys in the organization doing what we can. We just, we don't want to screw it up. That just seems to be the, I've heard that before. Like <laughs> we just don't want to screw it up. And you know, you can't, these guys these, they're not gonna, not trying to, but it just seems like there's so much talent in the system that, you know, some of those guys are going to drop off. Some of them are, are going to, you know, some of the starters are going to turn into bullpen guys. Some of the everyday players are going to turn into, you know, a part-time guys. Um, but the, the article just goes on. The most visible effects of the player development department's influence can be seen in the strength conditioning of the Padres prospects. Uh, this quote real quick from uh, Sam Guinea, and we'll move on. I think of all the 70-plus staff members of our development side, it's a great privilege to be working with this group of players that might not come around again in our baseball careers. That's a, that's a serious statement. Um, Padres Farm Director Sam Guinea said, it's also a huge responsibility. We don't want to screw things up. Well, you think they, they made that big splash in 2016 in the international signing, yeah. and I think they realized that they had an opportunity to to – blow through the limits that they had and pay the bon the penalties yeah. knowing that the system was about to change yeah. and they weren't going to have that opportunity to go big like that. So they signed up everybody they could, but then bringing in the bodies, bringing in the athletes is one piece of the equation, but yeah. then you've got to develop them properly yeah. and teach them how to be, you know, cause like you said, yeah, somebody puts on a bunch of weight, a bunch of mass, but then they can't move and they, 
okay, you thought he was going to be a center fielder, but now he's a first baseman because <laughs> he just he lost his wheels because his <laughs> legs got so thick. Exactly. And then you see somebody like Tirso, who I mean, his he's he's frame jacked, is, he's, but then you watch him move out there, yeah. and he still is agile. Fernando Tatis Jr. Everybody was saying he's going to move off shortstop. There's no way he can stick. And then now everybody's saying he's quicker, he's twitchier now than he yeah. was, even though he's 30 pounds heavier and it's all muscle. God, does it the game last night real quick? And there were a couple of balls hit, you know, in the gap there between third and short, and, and Taddy just like. Zip, spin, throw. <laughs> Zip, spin, throw. And even then, there was another shot that came across and it was a little bit of an odd angle. And Machado, you can see like, Machado, don't steal it from him. Machado steals a ball in front of Taddy and then throws across the diamond. Um, nothing is going through that side. It has to be hit on a seed to get between those two guys. Well, and now that Rios is up, um, did you see, you saw the tag that Rios put down, right? <laughs> yeah. Jumped up and nutmeg the guy. <laughs> nut- <laughs> Through his nutmegs, or like yeah. through the wickets. Yeah. Um, all but, the, Javier Baez. Yeah, so I, a lot of those throws last year would have gone sailing into center field because yeah. the middle infielder would have been camping on top of the bag. Yeah. You know, they'd be down there with a the knee down, expect to try to block the whatever. No, he goes up and gets it, still finds a way to put the tag down. And I've seen Tatis already do that a few times. So that's going to make Hedges look better. It's going to make Mejia look better as a catcher. Yeah. I, and then... So the whole Dallas Keuchel thing, and now I'm going off on a tangent, Tang. but, but extreme ground ball pitcher with that defense behind him, bring it on, you know? You That's get- for another, you know, I'm not sure if we want to pay. If he wants a one-year deal for maybe 15, 16 million, I'll take it. Yeah, the cost is high. I, I get it, a but draft it, pick. but it makes... He's I, a class A free agent. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that stuff. And I, it's got to be for the right price. Right. But at least you, the, the player... Fits. Oh yeah. The only thing I don't like is that we got a whole bunch of lefties in the in the rotation, and then you fit another lefty in there. But whatever, you deal with it. Yeah. Wow. Moving on. Moving on. So next on your list here, we've got Dennis Lynn of the Athletic wrote a fantastic article about how the Padres have how the clubhouse has welcomed these rookie players in, and it's the opposite of what we've seen in the past and throughout baseball. Your hard-nosed veterans, I mean, I'm sure back in the day it was like, rookie, go, you know, wash my jock, rookie. Um, you know, go get me the coffee, rookie. Um, and they're treated like garbage until well, they can show they can play. The story that Andy Green said, where yeah. right by the water cooler, um, there would be Gatorade containers in the middle of the dugout, and guys would bend over to get a drink, and somebody would be spitting tobacco juice right in the seat of their pants in the middle of a baseball game just to embarrass them when they would run out on the field. I never got a drink of water for fear of that. That's in 2004. And then he points, and then he points out that there was a play, and Tatis was was out on the field. He made an out, yeah. and then he comes jogging back to the dugout, and there's Machado on the top step with a cup of water for him. Yeah, and that's hey, totally different. Yeah, but but they work. They show up. They're there early. They're putting in their work. They're doing everything that's asked of them. What more can you ask of a guy? So I'm sure there's some things that they have them do that reminds them that hey, you're a rookie. You still got to earn it. Right. Veterans get the key points in batting practice. They, I don't know. I don't know what that would mean. What what that looks like? Maybe they get first pick on the planes and on the buses and where to sit and all that. So rookies, right. maybe they still have to hang out in the, in you know, the and back what, by the bathroom. Real quick to go on the major league <laughs> team. Real quick, I thought I saw a, a handshake between um, about Tatis and uh, who's our second baseman? Arias Kinsler. Nah, Kinsler. Kinsler. Yeah. Where are they go tap 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 and then like it, I thought it was a bow. Yeah, there was a there was a bow like. 
respect, like a respectful bow. I really think that's a playful play on him being a veteran and Tatis being a rookie. Um, my mind. That's just what I was thinking about. Hold that on, that makes that makes sense. I would all, what they also made me wonder is if Ian Kinsler is into um, martial arts in any way. Interesting. Because, a way to stay athletic and because stay in I've shape. noticed that these guys individual their their little high five things have something to do with what they have going on in their personal life. Like yeah. Hunter Renfro, they do the they draw bow back the arrow, bow because right? he likes to go bow hunting. Um and Lucchese, it's the churv thing. He's got the churv grip and they do that whole thing. <laughs> I, maybe there's something to that. I, that just made me think of it. Well, it. And I, you know, and I love that about. We didn't get that with Kemp. We didn't get that with Justin. Maybe there were different players. And it Obviously sounds like it was different the obvious. I mean, it's known that Derek Norris did nothing to help Austin Hedges out when he came up. Right. right. I mean, go sit in the corner, Rook. I and mean, what is that? But just, but just to do that, he has a handshake for everyone. Yeah. And, um. It makes it so much fun to watch. I, lo- I love this team. I love this team. Uh, but moving on, real quick on, you know, real quick on the article, um, you know, Hosmer kind of chimed in on this article. And you don't want to, you don't, uh, quote, you don't want guys to say, man, I'm going to the big leagues to sit and look at my locker for three hours till the game and nobody, and to speak nobody. <clears throat> I think that's the difference. We expect these guys to help us out on the field. And when we're on the field, we're just like anybody else. We're a team. There's no rookie. There's no veteran out there. When you're out on the field, you're a competitor, and that's it. We want these guys to come up and feel comfortable. It's so hard enough being, you know, they call it the show for a reason because it's the show. Mm-hmm. You get deer in the headlights. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was playing a double A or a triple A where I'm to a, maybe a 500 people or 5,000 people. Now you got 40,000 people screaming at you. You're on television. The spotlight's on you. And then they're going to treat you like a jerk. Yeah. Then they're going to make you feel bad. No. And the game, it's a game of confidence. It's a game of skill. It's a game of, it's a mental game. Mm-hmm. It's a total mental game. So to make those guys feel comfortable, I think, even makes the team better. So uh, I put down on those notes, uh, you know, Mike Matheny with the Cardinals. Well, it was a Bud, Bud Norris was the enforcer, per se, for Mike Matheny and the Cardinals, where he would keep these rookies in line by severe hazing. And it, one of those guys was asked, so where, how do you like that? I don't like it very much, you know? And then he would go to Bud, then he'd go to Mike Matheny with, um, yeah, this guy's not doing his job. You know, this guy's doing this. You know, he's knocking on guys that aren't doing what he perceives as should be doing. Mm -hmm. And hence that guy's fired. Hence that team didn't do well. And it just creates that that clubhouse. Uh, It goes against the chemistry. It goes against the the team. It's a team. Team is not, you know, it's a, a bunch of individuals trying to work for one goal. If you have that kind of atmosphere and you go into work, it's like going to work, dude. If you have a crappy boss and you go into work, like I don't want to go to work, it sucks. Yeah, um, you're not going to have fun. You're not going to produce. You're not going to do the best you can. So creating that environment, I think, is in- incredibly important, and that's why we have the prestige value. That's why we have a 26 year old veteran. You know, that's why we have those guys. You know, and almost almost like this. And here I'll I'll say this before we get into the affiliate rundown. With the three large vet, the three veterans on our team, you have Machado, superstar, fun loving, good guy. Latin guy comes with that kind of Latin flair, shows it on the field more than anything, and he backs it up with just being, you know, with doing the handshake thing. Then you have Hosmer, who, although not, you know, doing as well as we hoped he would, and there's a lot to be said about that. But he's still like fun-loving guy. Hey, it's all good, man. I'm on top. I, I'm here for you, even though I may not be doing well. 
kind of leadership. Mm-hmm. Like he's the hurrah hurrah guy. Yep. Um, Kinsler is the leadership is the quiet. Like here's the respect guy. Here's you know here's the respect guy. And even what he said about the bat flips and you know I don't like it. And I, and I remember going like that's a hard nosed ball player. It's kind of old school. But he brings that old school mentality of like yeah you can have fun and be fun but be respectful and and do it right. And I like that kind of trifecta of the triangle of veteran leadership. Well, let's also add Craig Stammen into this. For the bullpen guys. Yeah, Craig Stammen and Kirby Yates. These are two guys that have been around a long time, especially Stammen. Yeah. And he's been, he's he was out of baseball for a couple of years and he worked his way back. So, and you've got Greg Garcia too, who's, I think he's 29, 28, 29. He's yeah. a little older. So you've got people that are there to remind them, you know, stay humble, remember the things that you've done to get here because right. it can all be gone just right. like that. So appreciate it. And they certainly do seem like they are. Absolutely. So that's all the news. So we're going to do this season like we did last season. We're going to have the news up front, and then we're going to go down to the affiliate rundown. So I want to credit Mad Friars and give a shout-out to uh, John Conniff and Mad Friars and give a shout-out to James Clark and the EV2 News where I got most of this information. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. If you don't know any of those guys, it's East Village Times, uh, James Clark and their team there. They're really good. Um, and John Conniff and the guys over at Mad Friars. They're, once again, really good. David um, J., Ben Davey. Love those guys. Um, and Marcus and Pond. Right. <laughs> Marcus in, in Texas, um, Travis Barnett over in Fort Wayne, and you know, and James and Patrick just had their first podcast since like I don't know, three years ago. They they just did one. They just did one. Yeah, they had Jonathan Mayo on. It was really good, and uh, it was really good to have those guys back doing a podcast. But let me get on to the affiliate rundown. So let's start with El Paso. So last Friday, um, let's not forget Kevin Charity. Yes, Mad Friars Kevin. We love Kevin, friend of the podcast, yeah. Kevin. Uh, getting, moving on to last Friday. So a lot of this stuff is old news, but I'm going to run down some of the information here. Um, Logan Allen had one of the worst starts of his career and took the loss. Allen got through the first two innings with ease and fell apart in the third. With an error by third baseman Jason Vossler, from there Allen were allowed a walk and a pair of two, uh, two-strike RBI singles, walked three in the inning, and was ultimately pulled without recording an out. It was a 21-year-old's worst start since September 2017 when he was in Lake Elsinore. Random thought. So if he had a good defense behind him that could pick him up, and how many times over the last few years did we see uh, Andrew Kashner or Tyson Ross or these guys have one bad blow-up inning? Luis Perdomo. Yeah. That a couple of you, there's a hit, there's an error, and then next thing you know, he walks a guy, he hits a guy, and it's a blow-up inning. And then we don't have the offense to come back and pick that up. Yeah, but you've got the defense out there that prevents that from happening in the first place, and there's a lot of confidence that that instills in a, in a pitcher. Absolutely. But it didn't happen this game. No, um, no. Logan Allen's been off to a rough start. It's been a rough start for him. So Esteban Queer is homered for the second straight game uh, as a part of a two-hit night. That was last Friday. So this last Thursday, in a 6-2 win, after coughing up six earned runs in three innings during his season debut, Cal Quantrill posted a bounce-back performance, striking out five and allowing just three hits. Real quick on Logan Allen, he pitched, I think, yesterday or today and did really well. Yes, yesterday, so, yeah. So the, both Cal and Logan had two bad starts to begin the year. Um, both seem to be finding their feet and moving on. And once again, here's the thing about that is we don't know what they're working on. Even in AAA, they could be, okay, let's start with fastballs. Let's just throw the fastball and try to mix in the curveball. Um, and the guys are jumping on him. For, for whatever reason. Well, I've also heard the theory of the dead arm phase 
as guys go through spring training. And this is the first time that both of those guys went through major league spring training. So it was more of a workload, more pressure, more intensity than they've experienced in the past. So then pitchers, they say that they get to a point in spring where it's just the stuff isn't there. And there's just their arm is dead. Everything feels fine. It's just it's not jumping out their hands. The fastball doesn't have motion. The breaking balls hang. And they get ripped up for a couple of starts and then it comes back. And I even saw a quote from Goose Gossage today that he said it wasn't until like the middle of April that he could finally start getting his velocity in his starts. So maybe that's what those guys are going through a little bit. You know, and that wasn't mentioned, but it it makes a lot of sense because both their starts, that last start for spring training for both those guys were like, okay, here's the start that's going to make you make the rotation. They both fell flat on their face. And they both fell flat. And, And that's okay. We're not... I, like it's going to be fine moving on. So that Thursday in a six two win, uh, he had, you know, just allowed three hits five striking out five, allowing three hits, a center fielder, Michael Geddes ended a three game hitless streak with a ground ball single in the fourth before launching his first home run of the season. Two innings later, he has struck out 14 times and just once in 25 at bats. And walked just once. In Sorry, walk, right. Thank you. That word says walked. Yeah, yeah. he's been struggling. Uh, but this last Saturday, he was a double shy of the cycle. Uh, six for 13 the past three games. So there is there's some fits and starts with Gettys. Uh, once again, he has all the tools in the field. It's all about the other side of the ball. It's all with the bat. But the last week or so, at least over the weekend, he's yeah. finally starting to put together some good games. Yeah. And. And that's good to hear. You know, I I don't mind the struggles, and that's fine. We don't panic about that stuff. But you like to see him have a good game, kind of put stuff together, and we'll we'll go a little bit more with, with that with uh, with Hudson Potts. So Saturday, Ty France is the offensive star. Uh, thus far, slashing at three fifty seven, four twenty nine, five seventy one in ten games. He's played eight out of those ten games at first base. Yeah, they've been splitting time at first base between him and Alex Dickerson. Yeah. So I noticed Alice Dickerson has been on a tear since he started in in the PCL. I mean, the bat looks like it never took any time off, even though he's missed two years of game time. I'm I'm number one Alex and Alex Dickerson fan. I love that bat speed. I love his strike zone awareness. I love everything about him. It's just it really sucks that he'd been hurt these past two years and not, you know, and guys like Frenchy come up and take over the spot. You know, and guys like Renfro that were number one draft picks come up and take over the spot. I hope to see him, you know, that's more depth. And we'll see what Frenchie shows up this season. I don't have much written down here about him. Well, I could see a scenario where Hosmer continues to struggle and then there's some injury that's diagnosed and he winds up on the DL for a period of time. And we're assuming that all these guys are going to stay healthy all year. And guys get hurt. Yeah. So if he gets hurt, you got Will Myers that can step in at first base. But then you've got guys like Alex Dickerson, Josh Naylor, that maybe they could come up and see some time at first base. Continue. Continue. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you know, that was uh, at El Paso. It's going to Amarillo. 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 Opening day, the 5-2 loss to the Hooks. Adrian Morajone looked great the first time through the lineup, but struggled in the fifth, giving up a walk and then a two-run laser over the left field wall. That's kind of been his story this year, is he looks good, looks good, then he gets rough, and then he brings it back around. I don't know what it is. What what. Is that they're developing? Are they trying it's, to go for sequencing? A, is it's it a twenty-year-old kid trying to figure out how to be a professional baseball player. I yeah. mean, it's it's got to be hard to go out there and throw. I mean, to, to throw one good inning is hard enough. Yeah, and then to try to put together six or seven good ones. So, plus on top of that, he's he's a very emotional person. I know last year that was one of the struggles that they were working with is just keeping your emotions consistent. 
So you're not too laid back, but you're also not too aggro. You don't get ticked off when something doesn't go your way. You don't get bummed or whatever. It's hard to keep that even keel and just let it all fall off you. That's where guys like Nick Margavichus, Eric Lauer, I mean, even Chris Paddock, something happens, Chris gets pissed, and he uses that to his advantage. <laughs> right. The rest of those guys, they just kind of slough it off, and all right, I got to go get the next one. Yeah, and, and that's something that we've noticed about Morahome, where he does, he wears his emotions on his sleeves, and you can see it on the field. You saw it on her tweet today where, uh, you know, a guy fouled off a pitch, and you see him throw his shoulder a little bit, and I think it was David Jay that said, like, yeah, that's a guy who knew he had him, and he didn't. Um, I love that about him. I hope he figures it out. Oh, he will. He will. And be what we think he's going to be, which is the number two, number three. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. So Wright hit 294 with a 340 on base percentage against Morhone in 2018 and still had rather pedestrian 261 average, 328 OBP against uh, the 7-3 strike-out-to-walk ratio. All the damage against Morhone uh came at the hands of right-handed bats. So there's something there that has to do with either the, the motion on his breaking pitches or his location. Arm slot. Yeah, there's something that he's doing that it's fooling the lefties, but the righties are seeing right through it. And you don't want that because he's in the face of nothing but righties. So he'll figure that out. That's good. He's had a couple struggles also. You know, After that start, he struggled again. I think he pitched again today. I think he did well today. So, you know, let's... As we go into this, you know, with the Mackenzie Gore, how well he did, you know, Luis Patino has been good and, you know, questionable. Um, throw all that stuff out because it's still development. It's still early in the season. It's let's get some starts underneath us. Let's get these guys comfortable where they are in, in their levels before we start making some, you know, before we start panicking. Because um, I don't want to, because I'll be the first one to panic. Anyways, <laughs> you know, he's had a really good season in double A, Jorge Ona. Jorge Ona has three walks. First, okay, so this is the opening day. First hit, Owen Miller with a single. First homer, Brad Zunica with the oppo taco shot to left. Um, a lot of firsts there. Uh, last Friday with a 7-5 to five win, uh, first win in franchise history. Brad Zunica had three hits, finishing a triple shy of the cycle. I'm not sure if he'll ever hit a triple. We love you, Brad. Uh, he's 4-7 for seven to start the year with homers in consecutive games. This is last Friday. Uh, right-handed pitcher Jesse Schultz struggled. Right-handed Blake Rogers pitched a pair of scoreless frames to earn the first win in Saad Poodle's history. Rogers, 25, was the Padres' 37th round pick in 2015 out of Oklahoma. Right-handed pitcher Andres Munoz pitched the ninth to earn his first save. The hard-throwing righty was sitting at 100 miles an hour with his fastball and touched 101 on the pitch. Another guy who we have to let him develop. You know, we, we see all this. We see the velocity. We see... We see all these guys want them to be so much so soon, but there's still a lot of development there to be done. There's still a lot of work to be done, and there's plenty of time for it. There's plenty of time for these guys to develop this year and next year, but look out in 2020, 2021, you know, the big league club is going to be just chock full of these guys, and we are absolutely going to dominate. I think I you had Blake Rogers on here. I think I, I saw that Blake Rogers um, got sent down to extended spring training over the weekend, and they brought somebody else up. I'm trying to see where I saw that. If it was in the Daily Farm Report or what? Ah, interesting, because he pitched really well. He pitched out of a jam, I think, on Saturday. Yeah, Blake Rogers and Kazuisa Mejita uh, got sent down to extended spring training. In their place, Kyle Lloyd and friend of the podcast Nick Kuja got called up to Double A. Nice. Don't look at what Nick Kuja did today. 
No. He had a very, a, a what's the miserable, unhappy, very bad, poor day. That's what's, okay. what's that book? I don't, I don't know what how the book goes, but he had that day. <laughs> he had a day just like, forget it. Yep. Just forget it. Put it behind you. Need some Staten Island. He'll get over it. But he last year, he got up to Fort Wayne, right? Yeah. So he just skipped a level and then probably got rushed up there and you hop off the plane and jump on the mound and try to get out there and do it. And you have one shot to adjust the double A hitters. Yeah. Who are insanely good. You know, it almost seems like the double A hitters are better than the triple A hitters. Um, moving on. Um, last Monday, 9-4 win in 10 innings against the Rockhounds. Left fielder Jorge on a two for four with the HR. He has had a fantastic start of the season. Home um, home openers, um, home opener. Amarillo had a professional baseball game for the first time in 37 years. It was their home opener. It's a beautiful ballpark. Outfielder Buddy Reed hit his first home run in the history of Amarillo's new ballpark. And he also walked in four plate appearances. Reed, 23, is just two for 20 to start the season with six strikeouts. That's That was way before. That's way after we talked about that. Yeah, the right the ML pipeline of the uh, ML pipeline team of the day week. Excuse me. Our Jorge Ona homered for the second time in as many nights. Looked good in spring training as an off to a 290, 405, 484 with 13 Ks and 30 win at bats. As of Saturday, and this last Saturday, Brad Zunica hit his third home run. Reggie Lawson held Midland in check over the first three innings, but allowed four runs over his final two frames. In all, he struck out eight with no walks. David Bednar had a rough outing, giving up five runs in in the tenth inning. Another guy who you know not at, right out of the gate is having incredible success, and that's fine. Double A is where you find out where you are, and what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So all these early struggles for me. Once again, I'll say it again: it's okay. It's going to be okay. They'll figure it out. Moving well, on. and we'll get to midseason, and we'll see. Well, there's always that roster shuffle that happens right after the midseason All Star games. Yeah, guys move up, guys move down, and that's okay. I mean, you saw Michelle Baez go down, and they go back. I, this 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 dance happens, and yeah. is eventually in the long run, you see guys move on, but they need to struggle to learn where their weaknesses are and what they need to work on. Yeah. So last Tuesday, Brad Zuniga had his first multi home run game for the Sod Poodles and set a franchise high. With five RBIs, he didn't hit his fifth home run last year till June first. So he is in fuego. Yeah, or uh, franchise high. Yeah, the Amarillo Sod Poodles only have what, like a week and a half of franchise history. It's still franchise. Okay. And it's Brad Zunica. We believe in Brad. Believe in Brad. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> believe in Brad. <laughs> uh, he's posted a stellar four seventy six five forty two one point two three eight line. With five homers in six games, but also has struck out nine times. In 21 at bat, Zunica has 10 hits, nine strikeouts, and just one ground out and a fly out, making for a ridiculous 714 Babbitt. As of Saturday, he's got 333, 405, 848, and five dingers. So he slowed down just a little bit. A little bit. So this last Wednesday, Adrian Morahone scraped the first two innings, surrendered all five runs in a tough third. From the outset, Morahone didn't appear to have command of his pitches except when he dialed back his fastball. Then in the third, Morahone walked three and hit a batter wrapped around an opposite field grand slam by countryman Dario Blanco. On the bright side, Morahone did come back to punch the scoreless fourth and did not appear injured. And then Buddy Reed, you know, then last Friday, Buddy Reed for his third straight game. He's eight for 20 back. This is back then. 
uh, eight for 20, five game hitting streak, has five HRs, 12 RBIs in five games. He also hit a solo shot to make it a sixth on Sunday. Buddy, Buddy Loco. Buddy Loco. We love friend of the podcast, Buddy Loco. So let's move on to Lake Elsinore. Um, opening day, the 3-2 to two win. Uh, friend of the podcast, Tom Cosgrove, five innings pitched, five Ks, two earned runs, three base on balls. Jason Rosario, who we're going to expect big things of, uh, two for four with a run, RBI, base on balls, and a stolen base. It's Drew Ruiz. So Lake Elsinore, let's talk about that for a minute. That lineup. That roster is just going to be. We thought it was good with Lucchese and Lauer. It's just going to be filthy. Yeah, the with, rotation with the rotation. Yeah, and that lineup. Um, Estuary Ruiz, Jason Rosario. You got Gabriel Arias, and then Jesus, second base. Who's our second baseman? Uh, well, you've got um, um, Eggy Rosario. Uh, now who is who is in the line? Eggy Rosario was at third base when we saw them on yeah. on Thursday. Uh, it was Arias who was playing. Oh, um, no, Olivier Brasabe was playing first base. Oh, that's right. That's because right. we've got too many middle infielders. Who was playing second base? Now that's going to bug me. I can't remember. I can't remember either. But it's just the lineup is filthy. The whole rotation So I was filthy. looking. Every starting position, every single position player and all of the starting pitchers are all younger than league average. Yeah. And the only guys that are older are a few of the, like Robbie Erland's on the roster right now. Um um, Travis Rad, Travis Radke is <laughs> 25. I think he turns 26 this year. So there are a few guys that are that are significantly older, but everybody else is so young on that team. That's gonna that's gonna bug me now. I need to look up the box score for last Thursday. To find out right. who, who was starting at second base? <laughs> so this last Friday, um, Gabriel Arias had three hits, including an RBI single after he fell behind in the count. Left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore struggled with command at times, but still had no issues. Gore's fastball sat 95 in the fifth inning and showed a solid curveball and a changeup. Throwing 90 pitches to get through five innings, but he racked up eight strikeouts against just one walk. Luis Camposano had three singles and walked. The backstop was healthy after suffering a concussion. Thank you very much. Uh, in last April, this last Saturday, Mason Thompson, four innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, two base on balls, 7K. Mason Thompson is pumping high 90s fastballs consistently. He looks healthy. Yeah, it's really good to see him healthy. And let him, you know, let him just pump the fastballs and work on command. Uh, who cares about the results? So he's taller than Mackenzie Gore. He's got broader shoulders than Mackenzie Gore. He is stronger. I mean, he is a big country-fed, corn-fed looking. You know, and he's got, he's pretty thin too. He, I saw him when uh, he went to go track pitches when we were there. And I walk by, I'm like, that damn boy's tall. Yeah, he's big. But who's even bigger is Dylan Coleman. Have you walked by Dylan Coleman? No, I haven't seen him. He's, so they've got him in the bullpen right now, but he was a starter last year in uh, Fort Wayne. And he's 6'6", uh, 6'7". Six, 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 I mean, oh, they shit. list these guys at like 6'4", but come on. You watch them all walk by, and you're like, okay, that guy's two inches taller than that guy. You're telling me they're the same? Anyway. You digress. <laughs> you digress. Um so let's talk about Luis Patino for a moment here. This last Sunday, a single and an air put the first two Cal League hitters, uh, put the first two Cal League hitters on. Uh, Luis Patino faced, pardon me, strike that. Estuary Ruiz was the starting second baseman. Thank you. How can we forget? Sorry, Estuary. <laughs> we need prep. We're we're whole. We're at prep. Um, a single and an air put the first two Cal League hitters, uh, Luis Patino faced on base. He responded by getting three straight swinging strikeouts. Showing his mid nineties fastball, Patino allowed an earned run and uncharacteristically walked three in five in his five innings. 
but he also held Inland Empire to just four hits and got 20 swings and misses among his 83 pitches while notching seven strikeouts. I can see him being the emotional type where he it gets away from him a little bit and then he gets mad and he yeah. locks down and just blows him away. Yeah. Kind of like uh, how Pedro Martinez used to be. And he didn't walk a whole lot of guys, but he, he did have his outings where he'd walk somebody, hit somebody, and then you'd see like the demeanor would change and yeah. it was all over. And he would just throw BBs. You know, Luis Camposano continued his hot start, driving in the first storm run with a sacrifice fly and collecting another single. Uh, last Wednesday, there was a doubleheader. Aaron Lesher had four innings pitch, uh, zero runs, six hits, three base on balls and four Ks. Luis Camposano, like, he's just, he's hitting 500. He's just four for five, four runs, four RBIs. He has an HR, a career high in hits and RBIs. The 20-year-old has hit safely in every game this season and has drawn five walks against only four strikeouts and 32 trips to the plate. On the year in 2017, second-round pick is hitting 538, 594, 796. This is last week, so if it's gone down any, it's not gone down much. Um, friend of the podcast, Jack Sewinsky, who's also off to a really strong start, was two for two, run with two RBIs, two doubles, a base on balls, third base, Eggy Rosario, two for three. Um, this is last. This is last 10W win last Wednesday. Uh, Zawinski's also been a force to open the year. The Chicago area product is enjoying his first April in California. In 10 games as of Sunday, Jack is 14 for 36 with 10 RBIs for a 389, 456, 667 slash line. So the California League is a hitter's league. It is. They did have a series in Lancaster. And so it's we we got to temper the the box scores and the triple slash lines a little bit, a little bit. But, but it's good to hear. But them. we just we want to see success. We want to yeah. see the guys doing well. The strikeouts and the walks are kind of a thing that you can watch. That doesn't matter where they're playing. If they're drawing more walks than they are striking out, that's a good thing. So seeing these guys not striking out a ton that says something about the approach that they're getting coached on. Absolutely. So this last Thursday, the game that we were at. Um, Mackenzie Gore, five innings pitch, two hits, seven Ks, one, one base on balls. Uh, he's had 10 consecutive scoreless innings in each of his two starts. He's needed a couple innings to settle in, uh, and then he just then he just settles in and kills it. The club opened up the second inning with four consecutive singles and ultimately put up four in the frame without the benefit of an extra base hit as he batted around. After a quiet third, they played in three more in the fourth, cashing in on doubles by Jack Zewinski and Olivier, Olivier. It's Oliver, Olivier. 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 Uh, Bazabi. Zawinki finished the night. Basabe. With... Basabe. Basabe. I'm so East County. I'm so East County. Oh, my God. Anyway, Zawinski finished the night with two hits and a walk, pushing his on-base percentage for the young season up to 521. He's had four straight multi-hit games and has struck out only five times in his first 33 plate appearances. You know, this is our first podcast back. I'm a little rusty on doing the uh, on doing the rundown, so it'll, it'll get better next uh, next podcast. Moving on to Fort Wayne, um, <laughs> stop laughing at me. Uh, I'm, Ryan, I'm laughing with you. Hey, thank you. Well, Ryan Weathers uh, pitched five innings, had nine Ks in a frigid night on the hill with temps in the 30s. His fastball sat 91-94, and his curveball and changeup flashed solid movement. Xavier Edwards, uh, he's just a machine. Had two hits, RBI doubles, including a bunt single. When he when we were at that back lots game and he dropped that bunt down, it's just it's so pretty watching him lay a bunt down. Oh my god! And he just all of a sudden is like, pew! He just takes. I he think explodes the out of the box, but the way that he drops the 
He's got such nice touch for yeah. it. It just drops it right in the right spot. I, it's guys work hard to become good bunters, and he's got that skill down. You know, and we're grateful that he didn't sign with Vandy, him or Ryan Weathers. That's right. They're just, I mean, Weathers has 14 strikeouts and two outings. Well, and they found the right organization to become a part of because they're both going to shoot up through this organization and they're going to find their own opportunities. Yeah. I could see, I could see uh, Xavier Edwards being some kind of a super utility. You, you've got your guy, you need to get in there, steal bases, lay a bunt down. Right. You need him to play shortstop, second base, maybe a little bit of center field, that speedy end of the bench kind of a guy. I could see him, you, if he's got the tools and he shows that he can do it, I could see them pushing him right up there. Yeah, like Owen Miller's another kind of guy like that, that you can find a spot on the roster. The bat plays, and so yeah. you need somebody to fill in around the diamond. You know, maybe once Greg Garcia's out of the way, in a couple of years, yeah. maybe you see him bouncing around second base, third base, first corner outfielder spots. You know, and that's one of the things I was wondering if, if they can get him into the corner outfielder spot. Oh, I'm sure they can. They're just you, you, the player. De- there's like a player development ladder, like a positional. Yeah. It, it's the like the shortstop is at the top, and then they'll drop off from that. But you want to keep them at their most skilled position as long as you can, and you can put somebody out in a corner outfield spot and let them figure it out. First, first base takes a little bit of work still with the footwork and all of that. <laughs> and I know it's perceived that you can just throw your, your big slow guy at first base. That's not how it works. Well, real quick, that reminded me of Moneyball where Brad Pitt goes, you can play first base. It's easy to play first base. <laughs> That's right. And Wash is like, first base is incredibly hard to play. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but anyways, here's a name you want to listen to. If you guys have been here this long, listen to Augustine. Augustine Ruiz. Yes. He was on one of the sleeper guys for the Mad Friars list of guys to watch out for. He's having a great start of the season as well. On the, in this game, still we're at the opening day. Uh, Augustine Ruiz, two for four, run RBI. Blake Hunt, who's off to a sharp start, had an RBI double. Um, converted infielder Carlos Bellin recorded the save. Yeah, we've got a few projects like that in the organization where the former position player turned into a pitcher. Javi Guerra is currently making that position. Yeah. Which that transition. I don't, I don't have any notes for him yet. And I think it's an extended was extended. Yeah. He's, I think he's on the storm roster, yeah. but he's listed as like inactive or something yeah. like that because he's in extended. Yeah. They got to teach him how to pitch. Yeah. There's one thing about throwing 96 in a bullpen. Then like you have to learn. And I think I remember reading about that. They have to, you know, it's, it's arm care. It's building up strength and how, you know, you become a pitcher. Yeah. Anyways, uh, last Saturday, an 8-2 win, friend of the podcast, Joey Cantillo, t- kicked off his 2019 uh, in style by striking out the side in the first inning and getting so, two more in the second. So you're talking a week and a couple of days ago. Yeah. Okay. Now we're two weeks into the season, gang, and I'm sorry about this. We, I couldn't podcast last week because of work, and this week I had to beg and plead, so I had this Tuesday off to do it. Uh it's been a nightmare, so I really appreciate you guys hanging in there. The 19-year-old needed 80 pitches to get through four and a third innings, but had a few mid- mid-90s fastballs on the gun. Sitting several ticks below that in AZL last summer. So he's, he's, he's still growing into his body. Absolutely. You I, walk by him, and he's got the frames there. Yeah, he's he's put on weight from last year, and when we interviewed him, that was what they said, that what they told him to do is just put on weight, put yeah. on muscle, get get big, get strong. Um, so yeah, he's put on weight from last year, but you see walking, you, you walk by him and you can see that there's, there's, he, there's room for him there's, to fill out. Absolutely. And with that'll come the velocity. So we'll see by the middle of the season, he'll, he'll sit in the low nineties, but 
maybe with another year or two of growth, he might add a little bit more. But he does have the command and the repertoire to be able to succeed with what he has right now. Yeah. I, I watched that start, and that curveball is for real. It is. It drops right off the table. Oh my God. And then he can spot the fastball <laughs> at the corners. So you can take his repertoire right now, and the if – I mean, just the, the maturity side of it is going to carry him with what he has right now up through the next couple of levels. And then if he can add the physical development on top of it, then that's what's going to push him past that that line to be a a, a candidate for a starting spot or maybe even go to the bullpen. Yeah. You know, everyone starts as a starter, but eventually some of those guys end up in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. But and that, that curveball's filthy. Is, him and Gabe Moser, both is, those guys. Yes. Uh, he's coming up next here, but real quick, let me finish up. Luis Almanzar jumped on a hanging curveball for a three-run homer, uh, and and that which broke the game open. Luis Almanzar is off to a decent start. Really good start. Yeah. He was a 2016 signing. I think we gave him $3 million. I think he was the highest dollar, other than Morihone, I think he was the second highest paid. He was the highest paid position player. Okay, Ona, we gave Ona $9 million or eleven. Oh, that's right. Okay. But he, we gave him a significant amount of money, and then he and- never left spring train and they never left the complex yeah last year he went up to tri-cities and struggled so at least he's off to a decent start let's hope that there's something to be found here just like with onya onya struggled the last couple years so now it seems like there's a different guy out there and he's at least a secretary of state right now in amarillo because he's hitting bombs he's hitting the ball often and he's getting on base Uh, that's really good because i you know, even with the last two years with Ona, I, I you almost want to give up on him. Well, yeah, because he fell he, off all the top lists. People say that he looks stiff in the batter's box. There's this rigidity that, yeah, in batting practice, he can put on a show. Yeah. But then adjusting to breaking stuff and off speed and how do you do that if if you're just tuned to to Hidden hit dingers. off the machine? Right. Everyone, it's rough way they call it raw power because it's just like, you know, it's coming. Mm-hmm. See how far I can hit it. Duanya William Sutton, a fifth rounder selection out of East Carolina last year, cracked a home run in the second inning to left. Did you hear the interview that they did with him? Oh yeah, on that Tin Cap oh, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an interesting sounding guy. Dude, I love all those. In- the, the, all those little interviews are great. The little five or six minute quips. Um, he also had a game winning uh, hit the other day. He knows he's got power. Yeah, you hear him talk. He's confident. He knows it's in there. Well, and I'm okay with that. But with 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 that. You want to see them get on base. You want to see them hit for average. You don't want to just get them home run hungry. Then you start trying to pull everything and just swing for the fences every time. And that's going to happen. These guys are going to hit. Well, I hit a home run. Well, I can hit a home run every time. Well, that's, a, that's an organizational philosophy kind of a thing. And I hope that that's something that we're seeing at the big league level right now where you've got guys like Machado that go up there and they're just trying to hit line drives. Yeah. Hit high line drives. And then if you happen to connect on one, it's going to go out. Yeah. But hitting that double the other way is great. And so Tatis has impressed me with how often he goes the other way. Yeah. And he's not trying to pull one over the fence. Well, those two singles last night were up the middle. Yeah. So if I, and I think that's an organizational philosophy that they're trying to preach throughout the levels that, yeah, the, if the, the power's there, that's nice, but you got to get hits, yeah. hit, hit, hit. And then the homers will come. Absolutely. So this last Sunday, uh, three-run ninth inning cost the 10 caps a win after a starter gave Moser's stellar debut as a starter. The 22-year-old righty threw seven strong innings, allowing just one run on three hits. Augustin Ruiz collected an RBS single and a double as he continued his hot start to the season. The 19-year-old outfielder is 8-for-16 with a walk against four strikeouts early in the year. So I noticed when I was at spring training, I kept seeing Augustin Ruiz playing late in the big league 
team games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept adding him to the roster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and so that tells me that they're taking a hard look at him. Because I'd I'd heard the name, but I didn't really know anything about him before spring training. And then you start seeing him a lot around the big league guys. It's like, okay, they see something in this kid. Yeah. So, and we're already seeing that he's off to a hot start this year. And you watch him walk around, and he looks like... And he's got that look about him. Like he's a little bit bigger than than Estuary. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I saw two Ruiz. And like, hold on, that's he was smaller last time. Oh, that's Estuary. Well, one's a little darker than the other two. Yeah, but Estuary is all just fast twitch. Yeah, and he's so like everything he does is so quick. Infielders Justin Lopez and Tuca Peter Marcano combined for five of the club's ten hits. Gabe Moser's line was seven innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, six Ks, zero base on balls. Uh, took a pita three for five. Uh, Augusto Ruiz two for four with a double RBI and a run score. Justin Lopez two for four. This is last Sunday, gang. Uh, th- this last Wednesday, Ryan Weathers impressed just as much as in his second start for the Tin Caps. The Padres' top 2018 draft pick sat around 94. Most of the adding, outing, adding and subtracting speed as needed, and located an almost unhittable curveball for strikes. He pitched today. I'm surprised to see what. I would almost look at his line for today because I know he pitched today. The so I was just looking at their roster because their middle infielders they've got Tucupita Marcano, um, Xavier Edwards, and Justin Lopez. All three of those guys can play shortstop. Yeah. All three of them can pick. All yeah. three of them can hit. Justin Lopez is the guy that they would say that Gabriel Arias is the better fielder and um, Tatis is the better hitter, but Justin Lopez is the best athlete of the three. Interesting. And just like the frame and the, the, the reaction speeds and all of that, that he's got kind of the balanced game if he can put it together. You know, one of the things real quick, um, Fantrax had their top 30, I think, and the only guy on there was Mackenzie Gore, like number 14. So I was surprised by that. I discounted it, but you guys like Tucapito is not is he's coming up, like Gabriel Arias. These guys were our number one farm system hasn't even got guys that are even on the radar yet. I think a lot of these guys, we're talking about players that are in short season or yeah. uh, their first year in full season, full season single A. Yeah, and I think a lot of evaluators wait until at least a partial season yeah. at that level before they really start considering somebody as a legit prospect. Yeah, a lot of people even wait till they're at advanced day. Because you need to see what they do against competition. Maybe he's got one electric pitch that can get everybody out. Maybe they've got um, power and against a straight fastball, they can show it. But then put them against somebody with a mix and they struggle and they stall. Yeah. So they, they discount players that don't have the full, filled out set. So Marcano, he's got an elite hit hit tool. Yeah. But he doesn't have a whole lot of power. He isn't known as an elite fielder. He doesn't have crazy speed. So wait and see. And so that's where, the again, the player development stuff comes in, the agility work and the strength training and all of this. And and then you see him come up next year like, wait, where did that – we didn't see that power before, but he, it's showing now. So anyway, you asked about Fort Wayne. Yeah, what um, we got today. I'm almost done with these guys. Guys, we're almost done. In fact, this is our last little quip. So Ryan Weathers pitched five and two-thirds innings, gave up five, five hits and two walks. Five strikeouts, gave up two runs, two home runs, but they were both solo shots. And then Tom Coletti came in and pitched one and a third innings. Right now, we are through seven innings. The Tin Caps lead eight to two. Eight to two. So let's see what's going on on the offensive side. We have... It's still freezing there. We have another home run from Almansar. We have a home run from Blake Hunt, friend of the podcast. Yes. Uh, doubles from Lee Solomon, uh, Tuku Peter Marcano, and Grant Little. 
Um, Solomon's another guy that I'm really interested in as well. Yeah, yeah. Juwan Harris stole a base. And you look at any of these rosters, and you it used to be that you'd see that there's a bunch of organizational filler kind of guys that you look and you go, yeah, they're probably not going to, you know. But every single one of these guys on the Fort Wayne Tin Caps roster, you look down that list and you can squint just right and see how there's a path for each of these guys to the, get to the majors. Yeah. And they have elite athletes all over the place. So Juwan Harris, we haven't really talked about him. We haven't. But he was a running, I believe, no, he was a, a re- defensive re- back. Yeah, he would receive and then they moved A into defensive the back for Rutgers. And he played baseball and football for Rutgers yeah. and then left there to, to after the Padres selected him. Yeah, well, and he went to Rutgers because other teams are like, you're going to have to pick one. And, and he Rutgers, says, no, I want to play baseball. And he played, well, he, and he, so he chose Rutgers so we can play both football and baseball. Because nobody else would let him do both. Yeah. Right. And on the little interview, he talks about that. Yes. And another guy who's, who's, you hear the confidence in the guy, you hear that, you hear that drive and sure it's a ball and everyone's got the drive it in a ball, but I love, I love those interviews. So that's where we're at with Fort Wayne right now. So that's where we are with Fort Wayne. So let me finish this up. This is last Wednesday. Uh, Ryan Weather's last start, not the one today, obviously. Um, only one hitter reached second base through the first five innings, and that was due to an error. Weather's got into a bit of trouble in the sixth, giving up a swinging bunt single and a hard hit triple to left. However, he struck out the final two batters to minimize the damage. In 11 innings, he has struck out 17 without allowing a walk, and that's not today's start. That's a hell of a good start. He's, and he's making some press, too. I've seen a few articles written about Ryan Weathers so far already this year. Absolutely. And granted, you know, if you're going to stand out in A-ball, like like he's going to stand out in A-ball, he may even stand out in in a high A, advanced, you know, in the Cali League. Um, but you want to see this with this guy. You want he's a, He was our top draft pick last year. Mm-hmm. You want to see him do well. I think he's going to have a breakout season. And as everyone moves up mid-season, you can see him. We'll see him this year in Lake Elsinore. Well, this time a year ago, we were talking about Mackenzie Gore. Like, if he has a good start to the season, chances are good he'll be in the California League by mid-season. God, and I... so you might see the same thing where Gore moves up to double A and then Weathers moves up to advanced single A. And then you see other people fill in at Fort Wayne at the end of the season. And I hope Gore stays there long enough where I can get the time or we can get the time to go up there and talk to him again. Yeah, that'd be nice. I I'm I'm I want to know how he handles it because he hasn't had a, a season where he's been able to go out and make start 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 yeah. and find that rhythm of preparation and exactly the consistency of preparation the consistency of being you know a full season and how the stuff manages as he gets deeper into the season interesting well that's the roundup that's our first uh, that's the first episode back from a long off season was so it kind of it's really funny because like I'm like I don't I when I first started putting this together I'm like I forgot how, how I did this did I do the news first or how far do I go down with the affiliate rundown um, gang it's gonna be a little bit better next time it'll be a little bit shorter we're at, at just over an hour ten minutes right now okay that's not bad not too shabby um, tons of content coming up forward we we we're not sure what we're gonna do yet with the with the interviews if we're gonna have the interview standalone. And then just do the regular podcast with uh, with the news and rundown, or we're going to do that. Uh, there's some other things that I really want to do. Uh, throwing this out there for those that are still listening, I have several ideas on shirts, 
and maybe even some shorts. And what I want to do... Shorts, huh? Shorts, with little fryers in the farm shorts. What I want to do, what I think we, me and Roy talked about this, is to sell these cool shirts, but not for profit. We want to send any money that we make from the sale of these shirts, and I'm just starting to find out where I can put them on, how I'm going to get them designed, because I don't know any of that kind of... I don't have that skill set. Um, and send all that money up to the Booster Club in Lake Elsinore. Or if it's a, you know significant in the, you know, if it's more than $100, whatever it is, maybe spread it out. But certainly any of the money that I, that will come from this isn't going to go into our pockets. It's going to go straight to Lake Elsinore Booster Club. And if more, then I'm going to spread it. I would like us to spread it out. But i like to keep that money local. If anything uh, happens to that, you know, it's going to stay local and it's not going to be for our pocket. I have some really, really cool ideas with uh, with some shirts with Mackenzie Gore on it, um, with uh, Luis Patino, some stuff like that, maybe some other ideas with uh, with the Cubans and Got Prospects kind of stuff. But I, I'm very beginning stages of trying to get that done. If I can get that done this weekend or done this season, that'd be really cool because I think the shirts would be really cool. I got some really neat ideas. And once again, it's not for us to make any money. I don't. It's not about profit. It's about helping the minor leaguers. And you guys heard it with Emily Walden interview that continues it's tough like Elsinore was expensive California's expensive to live in yeah and that's why that's what got us involved in the in the booster club so we went when we went up on uh, opening day yeah. there was a tailgate and we were hanging out with the booster club folks and they were talking about getting candy getting like snacks and like um popcorn the and going to Costco and getting all that stuff and because they work with they talk to Terrence who's okay. the clubhouse manager there all right and they find out what the guys like. What kind of snacks do you want to have in the clubhouse? Do you like trail mix? Do you want granola bars, protein bars? And they'll get that stuff and they'll put it in the clubhouse because it's up to the storm. Well, and really, that's what their dues pay for. Right. Their clubhouse dues pay for the spread. Okay. And there's only so much money to go around. A lot of right. these guys now, some of them, you know, Mackenzie Gore obviously signed a big bonus. And some of the foreign players got a big bonus. But some of the foreign players also got ten grand to become a professional baseball player and that's it. Yeah. And then they're going through the off season with nothing. And then they're in season sending a bunch of their income home to their family Absolutely. in Panama, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, whatever. And we're talking maybe a hundred dollars. I mean, out of the hundreds of dollars they get a month. Yeah. They're sending most of that home maybe or whatever. They're but making maybe $1,100 a month and they're sleeping on a bus half the time. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough go. So you guys, uh, any of those designers out there that want to really, if you, I, I, we can't afford to pay you anything, <laughs> but if you want to tweet us out uh, at SD Donovan, S-D-O-S-D-D-O-N-A-V-A-N on Twitter, um, and you know Zippy uh, underscore TMS. Wow, I just did that. Pow! Um, that's my idea. Uh, that's our idea that we're trying to throw out and do. Uh, I think it's fun seeing all the shirts that people are coming up with. Dude. Like that guy came up with a sheriff shirt for, for Chris Paddock. Those were sick. And then there's the Machado man. Is that what it says? Or I, I don't know. For Mega, Mega man. There's it's a Machado. couple of those. Yeah. There's the new Bush league with the bike chain. Yeah. So the bring back the fryer or bring back the Brown 2018, I think was his handle came up with a bunch of really cool designs and then they kept faith that they've got the Bush league chain. And Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. From Travis. And then Tony LaSoya comes up with all kinds of, fun designs and i i like the the homegrown kind of the do-it-yourself ethic yeah. behind that that yeah. there's this is a movement that we as fans are cultivating so there's get this 
get this bandwagon stuff out of here. I don't want to hear about that. We have been an established fan base. There's a bunch of loyal Padres fans out here that have been hungry for something. And we're excited that we're on the edge of doing something cool. Absolutely. And those that were dormant, because it's it's tough to follow a team that's bad. Welcome back. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. And if somebody wants to jump from another, so, uh, there's a young man that Angela considers her second son in Lake Elsinore. And he's been a Yankees fan for all this time, but he went to the Chihuahuas games with us when we were out there a couple weeks ago. And he was texting Angela saying, I don't feel quite the connection to the Yankees that I used to feel, but out there watching Rias play and knowing that he's going to be with the big league team and seeing, he just got called up. Can I be a Padres fan? <laughs> it's like asking, is there, is there an application? Is there some secret handshake? Is there, what do I need to do? Like, no, no, come on over. We're happy to have you. Absolutely. And real quick for that with, with, uh, when miserable, the not so long ago, Eric and Eric, Amazon and drunk flannel went on the 1090. Um, and the guy calls like, is there a members only kind of thing we have to do? Like, dude, if you just tweet penis pics, on Padres Twitter. No, not penis pics. Uh, something like that. Dick, jokes. Dick jokes are dick funny. Jokes. Uh, but jokes nobody are wants funny. to see an actual, yeah. No. No, not dick. Yeah, I'm sorry. Bad. <laughs> God dang it. Now I got to put a thing on this thing. Anyways, <laughs> you guys, you can you know, find us on Twitter, SD Donovan Zippy. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. Thanks Good for thing. listening, everybody. Go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.